0: All right. Well, welcome to the Monday Minutes of the Hunt Back Country podcast. These are shorter and more informal episodes where we answer your listener questions. Today, on this Monday Minute, uh, we're just post-Death Hike. So we did a bonus episode this past Friday. Before the Death Hike, we are going to do a bigger recap uh, with some of the participants of the Death Hike this coming Friday. But today, joined by Steve you did just return from the death hike uh let's start here on a scale of one to ten how destroyed are you right now steve
1: (laughs) um about yeah 24 hours ago i was a 10. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i've been shocked how quickly i recovered um but for for me i've uh talked about it before on the podcast i struggle with essentially like it band issues and it could be left or right depends on the year but they get really, really tight and then pull on my knee and and the knee is just um, every step just feels like almost someone's like got a screwdriver in the side of the knee and hitting the screw back of the screwdriver with a hammer. It's just this very, very sharp pain. Uh, and it just flares up sometimes and I, th- I hadn't had it for a couple of years, but that flared up and I think it um, that feeds on the rest of itself. So I start walking funny, which then like flared up my back, which then caused everything else to be like just really sore, you know, cause I just wasn't walking how I normally do. And yeah, um, yeah so I was, I was in pretty rough shape. Uh, it, yeah. So big picture, 13 guys started, two guys finished the entire route uh, and not even quite the entire route. We had to take out the third peak because the uh, time just running out of time to do that with daylight, you know, that does the, the three uh, or Mount Bora, and Mount Idaho, were way more technical than I was expecting. Bora wasn't; Bora was very like exposed. It wasn't that bad, but it just it's like you had to move slow and be methodic. And it's not like you're just head down, just hiking, you know, on a line. Uh, and then Idaho, Mount Idaho, was uh, um, you, there was no like real defined trail through it, so you're just picking your way and uh you know it's kind of sketchy because there's still quite a bit of snow left in spots and um yeah it was um it was a great hike it'll be fun to do a recap with all the guys and get their different perspectives and uh yeah so i i did recover quickly though it's uh i got home saturday night and then here it is monday morning and I'm probably back to 80 percent already i was shocked i woke up yesterday morning and um just did ice on and yeah, getting out of bed was like you know not not impossible, but like, took about 10 minutes <laughs> i'll yeah. lift this leg off the edge <laughs> and the other one and then walk down the stairs like you know one foot one step at a time like holding onto the railing like son of a this hurts but uh yeah ended up just doing lots of ice and i uh, feeling pretty good i bet by tomorrow i'll be i'll be ready to go hike again
0: yeah that's impressive i mean that's a testament to your training to be able to cr- recover like that yeah yeah nice well we are uh kind of short on time today, but wanted to dive into some listener questions. So again, more to come on the Death Hike. We're planning to have uh, a full recap on Friday this week when that will be released. So stay tuned for that. Also, while we're talking about future podcasts, this coming Wednesday, we have a full-length episode on the Backpack Hunt breakdown series that we're doing, um, which we had a ton of great feedback from the first episode last week with that was oh, cool. with you, Steve, so um, mm-hmm. great stuff there. I'm really excited about the series and uh, extra excited about the uh, episode releasing this week, so stay tuned for that. To dive into listener questions, um, Steve, this one came through. This guy said, after hearing you guys talk about it on the podcast, I plan on writing notes after my hunts this year. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on what I should be writing down after each hunt. He went on to say, I would like each entry to touch on the same points so I can identify any differences that hopefully lead to more success. Should I do that? Should I include things such as date, location, weather, animal behavior, and interactions, or anything else? So that's his question, Steve. Sounds like a pretty structured, kind of formalized approach to hunting notes, which I can only assume is something
1: you don't do. <laughs> yep (laughs) yeah um I I think the more the merrier right the the it's only going to be good for you if you got the time and you're that purchase type of person yeah heck yeah so that for me it's uh, I constantly make notes during the hunt on gear things that I could do or you know do better that need to fix things I like um and then i will i'll make some notes about the hunting conditions and things like that but i I don't have like that full-on diary recap Uh, but if i don't think it's a bad idea i'll say that it's certainly only going to help and not going to hurt and if nothing else like i'm very reflective on how the hunt went down and i just kind of i don't just go home and kind of go oh that was a fun hunt and then move on to the next thing i'm very certainly during the hunt and after the hunt uh, thinking about how things happen and why, but I don't really write those down in a journal. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But just if you finish something, go back, immediately think about it and go, what, what did I learn from this hunt? And I think that's whether you just do that mentally or write that down. um, That, yeah, I think that's extremely beneficial. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I hear like in his question, him talking about writing down, you know, the date, location, weather, animal behavior, interactions, etc. I, for me, I relate that much more to, like, if I were Midwest whitetail hunting, where you have consistency in either a property or a location or a, on animals that can be more patterned or have some sort mm-hmm. of, like, more behavioral consistency versus, like, say, an archery elk hunt where you're out running around the mountains, right? You're chasing elk, you have herd dynamics, they're moving. Uh, It's September, you have these different, you know, variables on the rut and all kinds of behavior. So so, so to me, the more consistent you are with a location and Mm. call it a, a home base of both location as well as an animal population, then it's more helpful to have daytime weather location like all those things right because you're you're more of like targeting a pattern or a behavior pattern that you expect to be able to see again and i think it has its place but it's not for every type of hunt um to do those things in my opinion so i think yeah for you and i steve the as we've talked about sharing notes or writing down lessons learned after hunt it's not so much an observation of details of animal behavior Or patterning and it's more about as you said steve our personal takeaways or lessons we learned and yes that could include like encounters um like hey there was this situation say this calling type of encounter with an elk and i realized later that because of this dynamic it was maybe not the right call or if i had to do it again i would use this strategy so yeah get as detailed as you want but to his point he talked about wanting to be really structured and have consistency in his note-taking, which is great. But I think that only applies to certain types of species or locations would be my thought. Mm -hmm. All right. um, This one came through. Good question. He said, I haven't heard you guys ever talk about tarps specifically for something like glassing, cooking or a meat tarp to keep things out of the weather. Is there anything that you can recommend to look at? That's part one of the question. He then went on to say, I have an Alaska River float trip coming up in September and was looking at something for that trip. I liked this question for a couple of reasons. One of we can talk about tarps, but two, I kind of wanted to like pull out and highlight. You know, he, he asked about tarps for glassing, cooking, meat tarp, or just something to get out of the weather which you can have kind of a quote-unquote do-it-all type for all those scenarios. And my head went a certain direction when I was reading this question. But then when I found out I'm doing an Alaska River float trip, he says, and he's looking for something for that, my mind goes in a separate direction. So I just wanted to kind of highlight, like, as people are looking for information online or asking questions or asking what other people do, that context is always important. Because if you were to mm-hmm. ask me about a tarp for glassing or a meat tarp or something to just get out of the weather with like my head goes to backpack style hunting and i would make a recommendation for that but if i know he's going on an alaska float hunt my recommendation is totally different for that tarp compared to say he was backpack hunting in the lower 48 for example so it's kind of one to yeah. highlight as guys are asking your questions the more context the better and that not only comes when you ask the question, but just keep that in mind when you're hearing someone talk about gear or reading about gear online. If you don't know the context,
1: you really don't know anything. In some ways, yeah, it's funny. Say so, like, so this afternoon I'm flying over to Roseburg to go shoot some like uh, gear elk hunting videos with Cody Kellum from Born and Raised, and uh, I was just kind of like, you know, thinking about how what I want to say in the videos and stuff like that, and. Then, uh, that very thing popped up in, into mind. Like, I need to start. Like, here's what I'm doing for September archery elk hunt. And here is how I'm hunting. Like, the, why, I'm making these gear decisions based on the type of hunt that I'm doing, right? And that's, like, basically light, fast, and very mobile to cover a lot of country. If I was, you know, there would definitely be a 20% change in some of these items if it was just, you know, like we've talked about, you, you, we're going to hike in four miles and set up a base camp or I'm hunting from the truck. Like it's context is absolutely everything. Yep. Yep.
0: So this guy, I guess Steve backing up, like whether it's for the float hunt or it would be a backpack hunt, any sharp consideration for something, again, this isn't primary shelter, but just kind of meat cooking,
1: getting out of the weather to glass if it's super rainy, for example. Yeah, I mean, if you're on a float hunt, weight's somewhat of an issue just because he's probably getting either dropped off by plane or picked up by plane. So there's going to be some weight limitation there on the pilot's going to say, hey, we want you to keep you at, you know, less than 60 pounds of personal gear or something like that. But for the most part, I just go as, as absolutely durable as I possibly could just go to, you know, I don't know, any camping store and buy a, you know, 12 foot tarp that's, you know, just your typical blue tarp Mm -hmm. um then from if it was more backpacking focused there's you know i I really haven't played with so much we personally use they're called jimmy's tarps they are no longer in business anymore they're kind of a small operation and uh they're not around so i haven't gone out and purchased and tried other things because what i have still works great but i know like mount laurel designs makes a bunch of great options um there's just a ton of them out there Hilberg has a, a tarp uh, just piles of companies now are have either had tarps or are st- recently started making tarps there's a lot of good choices out there and I don't think you can really go wrong it's just pick like you know do you want durable or do you want ultra lightweight you know there's lots of different shapes of tarps I actually it's a skill set that I wanna I know you can take basically a flat tarp and do a lot of cool things with it Uh, Mm -hmm. and how you could pitch that. And I just have never played with that. So it's something I've been meaning to, you know, just jump on YouTube and get my backyard and watch some videos and try setting some things up in different ways and just, just have some more more versatility there. But I've taken my, the cool thing about like even the Jimmy's tarp, it has its own structure to it already. It's similar, more similar to like a free, or a, um, a tent. Um, But I've been able to, because it's just fabric I've pitched that thing in some of the weirdest shapes, you know, and like just literally like wrapped the fabric around branches and crap like that. Like just getting that into really tight spaces. And um so just there's I absolutely love the bivy sack tarp combination. And then you do have on a backpack hunt, you do have that tarp with you. And there's certainly been handfuls of times over the years where a storm hits and I just pitch that and get underneath it and get out of the weather. And um yeah, I wish we, on the sheep hunt last year uh when my doll sheep hunt with tyler i you know we had just that rain basically all day every day and i had wished um that i had packed like an ultralight tarp because just just to get out of that weather uh would be super nice and up in that country it's not like you got trees to go hunker under like we did on the bear hunt this spring right when that rain hits hit, like oh there's a mm-hmm. good tree and it's gonna block you know 50 60 percent of the rain and just kind of give us some reprieve but uh yeah
0: yeah i was glad you touched on that on unshaped because that's huge with tarps and honestly to go back to context and nuance and beat that dead horse don't just hear tarp and think a tarp is a tarp because a jimmy's tarp which is a tarp built to be a shelter and kind of it's designed to be pitched a certain way or maybe you know with slight variance is totally different than a flat tarp and mm-hmm. uh, as you said steve a flat tarp they're great because they're very very versatile but because they're kind of a very versatile blank slate when it comes to pitching it for certain different contexts or use cases you actually have to know what you're doing like you really do um and it takes some practice so a flat tarp is what i would recommend for something like i want this tarp to be set up for glassing or for meat or for you know cooking just kind of a versatile for anything tarp a flat tarp's great but again um you need to practice with it. You need to learn how to set it up, like how to rig it. What do you want? Line locks? Do you just want to tie stuff? What type of support do you have? Is trekking poles enough or are you gonna need something else? There's a lot that goes into that. Um, on the really light end, again, for backpacking, not necessarily this float moose hunt, there are a ton of good options. Um, Z packs make some really good stuff in terms of flat tarps and then yeah going back to this moose hunt i'm with you steve like space and weight isn't as big of a consideration get something heavy duty stand up to alaska good coating and uh that would be what i'd recommend for the float hunt steve we have this question that came through is a good question i'm not sure what we've hit on the k4 nalgene holder this question came through for speak pipes so we'll play that right
2: now hey guys huge fan of the podcast I've learned so much, and you've really shortened my learning curve as a new backcountry hunter. I bought the K4 this past year, and I'm really interested in the Nalgene holsters. Um, But I like to carry three liters of water when I'm in the backcountry, and I would be using 48-ounce Nalgenes. I'm curious how that one-and-a-half-liter Nalgene interfaces with the Nalgene holster, I haven't seen any photos or reviews on it. I know that the product page says it will support that size water bottle, but I am worried that uh, it would maybe fall out easily or uh, it would bump into my elbows or, you know, jam into, into uh, my side or something like that. So I'm curious about how those two products interface. Thanks so much.
0: All right, Steve. So, have you run that taller, the Nalgene? I think they call them silo water bottles in the K4 Nalgene holder.
1: Yes. And, and you probably can speak to it because you've got more experience. You do use to seem to use those more frequently. In um, general, I'd say it works j- just fine. It is going to bump in, not bump into your side, but bump into your elbow as you're kind of walking and just swinging your arms freely back and forth. It's certainly like you're going to bump into it. It's pretty with a regular just thirty-two ounce Nalgene. It's pretty hard to do that, and I mean, it's you kind of like got to actually like reach back there and kind of feel for it with your elbow. It's not something you just naturally going to bump into, but you get that taller one and it's there. Um, I would say the as I designed it, you know, that the there's an elastic kind of binding sewn to the top of it and that's designed to kind of snap over the top of the Nalgene so that it's not going to fall out of there with that 48 ounce one since it's going to be extending past that you probably you know it's probably going to be less secure if you were to be like on a slope and pick the pack up you know to where that is maybe pointing downhill you know i could see that maybe falling out or be more likely to fall out but uh you know that could be a bad situation where it could roll off a cliff and disappear or it could just roll 10 feet down the hill and you grab it um something you'd have to be aware of um other than that, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I remember you did the entire death hike up last year in Alaska with the forty-eight ounce one of the an algae.
0: Yeah, I ran one quite a bit, partially just to see, like, how's this going to work? Am I going to like it? Is it, you know, going to be secure? Am I going to have interference, et cetera? And as you said, the I've I've run it on some hunts, and then yeah, I did that death hike with it last year it works fine um i didn't have any real interference issue to speak of i don't know for you know some guys if they had maybe shorter torso like that knowledge is going to be even theoretically a bit higher and things like that so i don't know if that's just my build i didn't really have any issues with interference or with security um it stayed put taking the pack on and off no issues all of that said though uh, over time, my preference is just to run a standard 32 ounce Nalgene. And if you need any additional capacity, which in general, you're always going to need some capacity to have more than 32 ounces of water. We don't necessarily need all 32 or sorry, you don't need all more than 32 to be drinkable at any one time, right? So for me and my system, I have just preferred to go back to a standard 32-ounce Nalgene, and then any additional capacity is going to be in some other container and especially in something collapsible. Um, So for me, as we've talked about with our filtration system, I carry the 3-liter HydraPak, which I can filter directly from. I can carry that 3 liters at any point in time. I can load it up at any point in time, not have to worry about filtering it immediately. And then I just use that 32 ounce Nalgene as my primary drinking vessel, and I can fill that up really easy from that dirty Pack with some sort of squeeze filter, uh, such as the hydropack filter or the kated be free. So yeah, that's my preference. Keep the 32 ounce is kind of the primary drinking vessel. Top it off as needed when you're taking small breaks. It literally takes just you know, less than a minute really um, to do so. So yeah. For me, uh, the tall silo now worked just fine. Um, uh, but
1: I did essentially go
0: back to primarily using the standard one.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent on board. I, I think he mentioned there like packing two of those to me, that's completely unnecessary. Cause that when that, you know, second one, that second one's just always going to be in the pack. I'm guessing, unless he wants to run one on both sides, which I would, you know, recommend against just that's, that's yeah. Um, it's just when, you know, when, whenever that's not just completely full, it's just wasted space. You're just taking up a bunch of space in the pack that if, if that were a collapsible, you know, water bladder type reservoir, then when you're not using it, it's just space that's not being taken up in the pack and just makes your, you know, even if you got the room for it in the pack, it's still just nice not to have to deal with it. So that my setup this year will be a 32 ounce Nalgene. I got that three liter What's that called? Seeker. I think yes. it's Called the Seeker yeah. Seeker bag from um, Hydra Pack. and then I'll, and then I pack out um, with the B Free. It comes with a one liter um, bag, and I'll just have that as a backup because on those squeeze filters, if if your dirty water bag ever to get a leak or break or something like that, you always need a spare because you would be SOL. Your water filter would be rendered useless if if your bag popped. So mm-hmm. to have two of those is always a great idea. So I've got basically an Nalgene, a one liter soft thing and a three liter. At any given point, I can carry five liters of water with me, which that's going to cover me vast majority, you know, 99% of my hunts. There's a few ones um, that I can think of over the years that, you know, like water is going to be really um, touch and go. And I may, you know, add an extra two liter or something in there, but yeah, it's uh, going to be a killer setup
0: all right well thanks for the questions guys um as always we appreciate you sending those in you can always email podcast at exomountgear.com you can leave an audio message by looking for the link in the show description that just says leave a message you can use whatever device you're on to leave us that audio message with your question and then once again if you haven't yet hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app do that this week alone we have another series coming out with the backpack hunt breakdown we have the Death Hike Recap, and we have a ton of great comment, content coming this summer as we get up to hunting season. So thanks for the support. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.